time, big time. Okay, you guys can be seated. I want to take just a few minutes, and um, um, we were going to pick up another day here with uh, Dr. Tennyson and uh, Bill Tibbetts. They're going to join me maybe on a couple more Fridays coming up. I'm going to take this one kind of uh, fly solo for just a few minutes. Um, if we could put that Acts chapter 5 uh, up there, Acts chapter 5. I noticed this story when I was a very young Christian or just a young kid. Um, I always had a fascination with Bible stories. There was an old Bible, King James Bible, that we had. And I remember we had this little wood shop area down in this, you know, really kind of a lousy little house that we were renting, renting at the time. But I would go in this little shop, sit on this little stool, close the door, and through the sunlight, there was no light in the thing but the daylight, I'd open up this Bible and I would just read, read Bible pages. And so I've always had an interest, even before I was really a committed follower of Jesus or pointing my life that way. And, one, and this, this story that I'm about to read, I came across it early on and I just said, whoa, that's intense. That's an intense story. And I want to read it here for you. And I want to talk for a little bit about um, judgment and about how we reconcile this story with what really we see happening in the church and where this whole thing is coming. We've been talking about um, the positives and the negatives of the whole deconstruction movement. And I would say, for the most part, this is my anecdotal from the upper deck looking down on the church. Um, I would say it's having a far more negative than positive outcome. I'm not saying that it's not a good experience for some to really, who've come through a lot of pain and hurt in their life, um, to really get to the root of why they love Jesus with all their heart. But for the most part, when the journey of deconstruction is done in this cadre of people are talking on Twitter to each other and just kind of stirring up all of this animosity about their upbringing, all this animosity about the church. Uh, remember, the church is the body of Christ. No matter what it looks like to you, the church is what it is, it's described in Scripture. It's connected to the headship of Jesus. He's the head, we're the body. And we can't flush the body down the toilet and keep the head uh, among us. They go together. And so it, as bad as you are or whatever your church experience was, I had very poor experiences personally as a kid, and I've had nothing but wonderful experiences professionally in my adult life. I started serving as a youth pastor at a church, and the pastor was phenomenal. He was godly. The church was, was phenomenal. It was on fire for the Lord. It was far more good than, than just grinding through the grunge of people's behavior. So I had an early positive experience as a youth pastor, that experience has never left me. I've always had an optimistic outlook, uh, even today when I see all the, the chaos going on. Um, but this story was an early story, and uh, let's look at it right here. It says, but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, and we've all heard of Ananias and Sapphira. Um, they sold some property, and he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. So already, this is only chapter 5. The church started in chapter 2. So by chapter 5, <coughs> people are already fibbing and lying and faking, putting on masks, sleight of hand at offering time. And so they bring <coughs> the money from the sale of the land to the apostles, claiming, hey man, this is the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. 
So a husband and a wife, they were like two thieves um, uh, in, in unity together, but they're married. And the wife, they, they, they cut this deal, they, can, they devise this plan, go to church, tell everybody this is all the money that we made, and we're going to only give some of it, we're going to keep back, and let's be in partnership about this. He kept the rest. Then Peter said to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? What? How would Peter know? Why is God giving Peter this intel that this, this amount of money is a lie? If he would have said, we want to bring a portion of this and give it, but they gave the impression and the perception that it was a whole gift, a wholehearted gift. There was no law that said they had to give it all. Now, people out of their free will and their heart were giving everything, and this new community was birthing, and these believers <coughs> were caring one for another, so people were doing this out of free will, not out of compulsion. But they, somehow, the church has barely started, and already you have this glaring hypocrisy when it came to giving or being perceived among the leadership, the apostles, that it was one thing when it was really another. And the, the Holy Spirit just shows Peter what's going on. Now, Peter's had his own story. He's had his own problems. You know, he lied himself. He's a redeemed liar. You know, he said, told Jesus that he would never deny him. And then, you know, Jesus dropped the bomb that, hey, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to lie uh, or deny me. And of course, that night at the campfire, uh, after Jesus had been arrested, it says a little girl, and I've always envisioned a campfire girl uh, outside the grocery store, uh, a little campfire girl, because it says a girl at the campfire said, hey, aren't you one of them? He says, no. Then it says that he, he used profanity to emphasize that he was not part of Jesus. And then, of course, the rooster crows. So Peter gets this. Now, Peter says to him, why have you let Satan fill your heart? So Satan is that active, he's that near to fill us with ideas of compromise and ideas of hypocrisy, of saving face, but letting our, our heart uh, go to pieces. Satan is right there involved with us like that, always putting that possibility. Well, it says, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. You're not lying to the apostles. Just remember everything. I know I caught you off guard two weeks ago when I gave my famous little line that all sex is a threesome. Yeah, you, you, you should have seen the room. People were not paying attention. Uh, what did he just say? Yeah, it's between two individuals and the Lord. The Lord is present. So there's no such thing as just two consenting adults. There's always two people and the Lord. And the other person could actually not be a physical person. It could be lustful thoughts. You, lustful thoughts, and the Lord. So <clears throat> he's watching us. He's, he's there. Now, the scripture says, so when I, lie, when I lie to authority, when I lie to people in the church, I simply lie <clears throat> by not telling a lie, but by giving a false impression. I'm not telling you that, hey, Tuesday I was here when I was really there. I simply behaved in such a way that lended an impression, and maybe they said, hey, this is also the full amount. So they did, they were dishonest, but they weren't dishonest in an answer. They were 
intentionally presenting something that wasn't authentic and true. He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit, not to the apostles. This is intense. The church is three chapters old. Next slide. <clears throat> the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. Nobody's making anybody do anything. That's why sometimes we make a deal about, you know, swapping codes and helping people cheat on stuff. This isn't a police state. This has to do with kind of what's inside your heart, the kind of person that you want to become. And do you even feel a twinge when you do it? Is there even a twinge when, uh, and I, I spent my first year at a Christian college, I didn't have a twinge when I would cheat on my time card or cheat on this or that. I didn't do it as much as I did in high school, but I would feel pressure at times and I would default to that and I would just kind of get through it and do it and forget about it and move on. It's kind of probably what Ananias and Sapphira did a little bit there. You, you, but Peter's saying, this is all between you and the Holy Spirit. This isn't between you and church leadership. It's you and the Holy Spirit. That's what's really going down right now is that relationship with the Lord. The Lord is being impacted. So it says here, uh, as you wish, after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? Why are you presenting yourself like this? Hey, this is all the money from the land. And you know that that's not true. You weren't lying to us, but to God. I will tell you, that phrase right there has been a game changer. Excuse me, I've got to talk to you because I don't want to cough. i got a little cough going on if I raise my voice. Lying to God. Man, this, this really brings a tremendous sense of accountability to my life because I can manage my perception and deceit with human beings. But man, when I realize that what I'm doing is a direct conversation with God, not to a church leader, he said, you lied to God. Okay, now the story gets better. <laughs> you weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died? What? Three chapters into the church? Ananias drops dead during church? Everyone who heard about it was terrified. No kidding. Everybody's checking like, what have you lost? Then it says, then some young men got up and wrapped him in a sheet, took him out. I used to, when I was a youth pastor, this was my theology, my verse for why young people uh, are supposed to clean up the church. Uh, because they, that's, so we, we would clean up the church. I'd point to this verse. says, no, it's up to us. We gotta, we gotta clean it up, man. Uh, stay after service and pick up all the wrappers. Uh, wrapped in a sheet, the young men took him out and buried him. Wow, what's going through their heads? Uh, next verse. About three hours later, his wife came in. Where has she been? Well, she went right from the close of escrow, probably to the mall. Uh, she went, she's, about, she's probably out there shopping, doing something. She's three hours. She's not with them. She's gone for three hours. Close up escrows where you sell. piece of property, you get your money. 
So she took whatever they had left. Who knows where she is? She shows up three hours later. No one's met her in the lobby of the church to say, hey, your hubby is six feet under. Um, so she walks in. Peter asks her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? So here is God's mercy to the woman to see if she'll break ranks with the deceit. Because she's going to be found accountable for her own life. And I just, when I read that, even as a young man, I realized I can't hide in a group of people. Somehow God is going to, I can't stand before the Lord or live my life, claim this and that because Karen is super righteous or even super wrong. I, I stand alone, even though this couple was in cahoots together, she's given an opportunity to do the right thing. And she said, yes, that was the price. That is the wrong answer, lady. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Now, how many are ready to sign up and become a member of this church right now? Are you crazy? Three chapters into the church, the Lord is knocking people out because, you know, that's why when people say, oh, I just pray we want to be a New Testament church. Wait, wait, you do? Because if, if you want to be a New Testament church, this happens, there would be a line of hearses outside churches every Sunday by the hundreds. People would be dropping dead all over the place for lying to the Holy Spirit, for presenting a perception of spirituality rather than an integrity between them and the Holy Spirit. This is serious stuff. So the big question I ask is, how come this isn't still happening? I'm grateful to God it's not still happening, friends. Next Is the next verse up there, Chris? It says, instantly she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard about what was happening. And if you continue to read through, it, is, it opens up a season of the miraculous. Now here's what's, what's fascinating. I want to get into your heart a big Bible word before we pray together called forbearance. In Romans chapter 2, the Bible says, in chapter 2, he's talking to the Jewish people now. He talked to the Gentiles in chapter 1, chapter 2. He says, do you think that those who do such things, uh, who, who say such things, which means don't commit these evils, but you do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Why do you think lightly of the wealth of God's kindness, his forbearance, his patience, and fail to see that God's kindness ought to induce your heart to repent. What's happening in our lives is the Lord gave an early, strong picture of the accountability we will have 
in our relationship with him. We can't live a life that's a lie. But what he's chosen to do in the New Testament is to forbear, delay his reaction. Forbearance is a space of time between my sin, that I know sin, and I'm sinning, and yet the birds kept singing. I still had money. I still had health. Life is still good. I'm still winning. Hey, maybe all of this isn't true. I can, hey, I know that was wrong, but I did it. It's called forbearance. It's that space of kindness in which God delays his holiness reacting to unrighteousness. What happens is it's a huge risk that God has played because we can become very susceptible to thinking this really isn't a big deal because nothing really happened. And we overlook, that's what, that's what Paul said. Why do you think so lightly of God's kindness, the wealth of his forbearance, which should induce us to repent? Like, God, I can't believe how good you've been to me that you have not reacted. But I, I believe, and scholars, theologians agree, that the accountability of Ananias and Sapphira really is a picture, ultimately, of our accountability before the Lord when our works are tested. I'm not saying that you're lost and you will die in that moment. But the wages of sin is death. We have this space of forbearance right now. It's the goodness of God. Not that we build momentum of our rebellion, but when we fail, when we sin, that we see the goodness of God that has delayed the reaction so that we have time to repent of our sin. It's an unbelievable story. There's a bunch more. We'll get it. Well, I'm going to probably pick this up when I get Tennyson back with me on the stage. But I, let's stand together, friends. And let's, just, let's just take a minute to commit our hearts. You know, the great thing about the Asbury uh, story this last month, it really was built on repentance and people allowing God to deal with their hearts, show them their sin, the ugliness of their sin, their rebellion, to really take away the debate inside of us that I can do this and it's all cool. The Holy Spirit went into people's hearts by the thousands of young people who said, you're playing a game right now that is so dangerous because you're getting so comfortable and so skilled at sinning that you are going to be, you know, master class at this and nothing's going to reach you because you're so clever and you've rationalized it. You go on Twitter and you see a bunch of angry people at God trying to justify their backslidden life. And it all is an assault. It's just flying around us like crazy. And we wonder, God, well, maybe it's not true because no forbearance. So I would just say this. Lord, help me not to think lightly of the riches of your kindness and your forbearance and your patience, for the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. That's why we're not dropping like Ananias and Sapphira with the first lie that we tell. It doesn't mean that the lies that we tell will not be held accountable in our life. It's just that he is delayed because he wants us to repent, get our hearts right, our minds right, 
our lives right. Once I got that in my heart and understood, because I've sinned and nothing happened. Whoa. Okay, maybe. But then I go back to the Word of God and I say, no, here's what's really happening. Your goodness has held back your reaction to what I just did, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. Cleanse my heart. I agree with you, Jesus, with what the Word says about this. I confess it, which is agreement. I agree with you, Lord, what the Bible says about this. You're right. I was wrong, Lord. Would you cleanse my heart? Make me new. Make me right. Hallelujah. Amen. We just want to pray together. Jesus, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for a chance to gather, Lord, on this last cold Friday, Jesus, before we head out, Lord. Some are remaining on campus all week. Watch over them. Let it be a meaningful week of great rest, but also productivity and the things that we got to do to get done. For those that are traveling off campus that have already left, God, protect us, Lord Jesus, from the icy roads and the conditions. And Lord, let there be, Lord, nothing but good reports, Lord. Now, Father, I just commit my heart again, Lord, to recognizing your forbearance and that pause, Lord, and that, that grace uh, space, God, in my life. The Lord, just because something didn't instantly happen like Acts 5, Lord, don't let me fall asleep, Jesus, and think something is no longer alive and real and that's just something random that happened, Lord. Father, I live my life in accountability to you, Lord. I'm not a, afraid of your presence, Lord Jesus. I embrace it. I love it, Lord. You preserve me. You wash me. You cleanse me. You make me strong and whole, God. You give me the kind of life that I want to give away to my kids and grandkids, God. Father, I thank you today for your mercy, Lord, in my life. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for not taking me out, Lord, when I deserve to be taken out. Lord, you've been kind to me, God, and gracious to me, Lord, and allowed me a space to see your glory again, God, a space to read your, the Bible again, to hear a message again, God, that could bring my heart, Lord, to induce me back to repentance, God. Lord, just cleanse our lips, Lord. Cleanse our thought processes, God. Cleanse us of lust, oh God. Cleanse us of evil speech, God. Lord, cleanse me, Lord, <coughs> of, of things in my heart, God. The word says that we could even carry murderous thoughts in our heart, God. <coughs> Lord, cleanse us today. Make us whole and strong, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just pick up the heart and spirit of any student Adult in this room, Jesus. We're all adults in this room, Lord. Lord, pick up that heart that is heavy and weighed down today, God. Lord, going into spring break, Lord Jesus, I pray you would just fill them with delight and surprises, God, and experiences, Lord, that will help them see through the fog and the difficulty to a beautiful life that you have for them, Lord. So, Lord, we stay the course today. We stay the course, Lord Jesus. We thank you today, God. I'm going to ask if our staff and faculty, the ones that are here, if we could get five or six of you to stand across the front. And if you, before you break from this campus, you have a burden in your heart, a situation that you would like personal prayer for, we're going to hang up here. I really want to encourage you. This has been so beautiful. 
I know that a lot of your floor has left, your dorm people have left, but when you guys get in these circles every Friday, it's powerful to pray for each other. And if there needs to be forgiveness, you're like, I just want to tell you I'm sorry for something that happened this week. Would you forgive me for that? This is that time on Fridays where we just get our hearts right with each other, spend some time with the Lord. But I just want to encourage you again, if you have people from your floor, your dorm, your suite, and you just want to get in a circle to pray for each other, pray for safety going off into this week. And then just we just spend time with the Lord. Vinny just plays. It's so beautiful. It's a great space. No traffic, no chaos, no social media. It's just a great space on Fridays for a few minutes to seek the Lord together. So if you need prayer, we've got some folks right up here that are available for you. Find someone that you would want to pray with in a circle. And let's just spend this next few minutes for those who can linger and hang out. We just want to spend some time seeking God. God bless you guys. Have a phenomenal break. Be very careful on your travels. And uh, we love you. We'll see you back here on the 13th. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.